let's get it done. <laughs> Hi, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jane. All right, Jane. Best moment from week two in isolation. There were a couple good moments. Um, We've spent a week together and you're like, oh, there was one or two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I mean. There were lots of good times. Just now we had a great moment. We finished a puzzle. We did. We did. We, we thought- really thought we finished it last night and then yeah. we were missing a piece. But just as we were sitting down to do this. Sarah found it. Yeah, and we were able it was, to really it was finish amazing. it. Good way um, to start off this recording session. Yeah. Last night we did Broadway trivia and we came in ninth out of twenty-two. Yeah, which you know is not winning, and, but it's do it's really good. And a lot of people said we had the best name. We did. So that's really exciting. What about you? What's your favorite part? When I found out Elephants is on Disney Plus. <laughs> Sarah got like like feral. Like, <laughs> she literally went yes, Elephants. Like I thought she was gonna like hit me. <laughs> We had just finished Onward, and it was, like, also new to Disney+, Plus, and there are two new Disney nature documentaries, Elephants and Penguins, and I can't wait to watch both. I love the Disney nature documentaries. They're so good. Have you seen um, clips of that nature documentary that Benedict Cumberbatch narrates, and he can't pronounce penguin? Yes. <laughs> it's not March of the Penguins. It's, like, another... Penguins. Penguins. <laughs> you never heard the word penguin? Yeah, uh, you're narrating a movie about them. I also enjoy when we watch The Hobbit because I love Jane's impression of <laughs> Benedict Cumberpatch filming The Hobbit. Just him crawling around on the floor, going, ha! <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. It was really. I'm good. glad I could be your entertainment in this. Yeah, time. yeah. You've been you've been highly entertaining. It's been it's been great. Glad I could have a purpose. <laughs> you do have a purpose. I feel like we're all that song in Avenue Q about. Yeah, I feel like that's all us right now. (laughs) We're all just a character in Avenue Q at the moment. Yeah. Anyway. Avenue Quarantine. That was the team name last night. I didn't come up with that. I won't take credit. No, that was one of the teams last night. We were phone rings, door chimes, in comes quarantine, which is a reference to Stephen Sondheim's company, if you Mm -hmm. know musical theater. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to have fun recording today. I feel like we both have some fun Fun, stuff. Fun topics. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that's going to be really good. So Mm -hmm. do you want to get started? Sure. So you asked me to talk about the um, conspiracy of the Denver airport. Now, the real name of this conspiracy, I guess, is the New World Order conspiracy. Okay. And that is the conspiracy that there's a secret group known as the New World Order made up of members of the world's elite who are plotting to take over the world. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's one big secret totalitarian government that's quietly pulling the strings to orchestrate the events of our mm-hmm. world until one day they will emerge into the public eye and reveal themselves but by then it will be too late they will be in control do um, you, you think people think that they created COVID 19 i bet i bet they do i bet they do yeah, they want to be one big global authoritarian government mm-hmm. replacing all individual sovereign nation states mm-hmm yeah, I bet people think they made yeah. COVID. Yeah, makes sense. It's like, how else to better control people? Like, right now we're all, if we're listening to the government, like, yeah. like what a good reason to, like, be totally complicit. Like, It's true. COVID's real. Don't, don't be Well, like... <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't want to say blatantly listen to the government because Trump said a lot of really Oh, don't listen to him. Stuff. Listen to Fauci. Or yeah, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> listen to Dr. Fauci. And other scientists, you know, yes. experts. And... Yes. Just do your best, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The ideology of the New World Order 
sees their rise to power as the culmination of history's progress, oh. apparently. Again, all of this is like according to conspiracy theorists. Okay. So one creepy piece of evidence hinting to the existence of the New World Order is if you look at um, the rev- the backside of a dollar bill, mm-hmm. which is the, the reverse side of the Great Seal of the United States. It's that pyramid with the eye on top of it. Mm-hmm. Underneath the pyramid, it says Novus Ordo Seclorum, mm-hmm. which is a Latin phrase which translates to New Order of the Ages. Oh. Mm-hmm. Creepy. Now, this is all kind of a bunch of conspiracy theories in one. Yeah. Some people think the New World Order is the Illuminati. Some right. people think it's the Freemasons. Yeah. Some people think it's aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some theorists who have based their theories in anti-Semitism. Yeah. We're not... a endorsing that in any way right, like that's course. harmful we of course right, of like course. don't agree with that but it should be mentioned that that is a part of it definitely but it's a lot like i got a lot of this information from the video on the buzzfeed unsolved network um by matt real who he makes these conspiracy theory videos and one yeah. of them was about this and he made this one statement that was like it's like with flat earthers like all flat earthers agree the earth is flat but they don't agree on much else, you know? Yeah. A lot of people believe in the New World Order, but everybody thinks it's something different. Right. Um, there have been several leaders throughout history that we know have openly tried to conquer the world. In the 300s, Alexander the Great yeah. tried and failed to take over the world. Um, the Mongol Empire tried to take over the world. Um, and they did a decent job. They amassed 9 million square miles of territory. Oh, wow. Which is the largest in history. But they did not take over the world. And, of course, in the 20th century, Hitler yeah. tried to take over the world. So conspiracy theorists say that since these people have, tr- like that we know of have tried to rule the world openly and they failed, the only way that it can really be accomplished is if you do it secretly. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. That logic makes sense. Not taking over the world makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the greatest piece of evidence that we have for the New World Order is the Denver airport, which... Uh- is a weird place. Yeah, that's a weird piece of evidence to have. It's like, well, they built an airport, so. <laughs> well, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about it. Okay, so yeah. the Denver airport is the second biggest airport in the world. Really? Yeah. What's the first biggest? Um, Charles de Gaulle? No, the first biggest is the Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. Interesting. In the BuzzFeed and Soul video, they said it was the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, but... Maybe that was true then, and they made the Atlanta one bigger recently. Maybe. I know Dallas-Fort uh, Worth is huge. It's pretty big, yeah. It's gigantic. Uh, well, this is double the size of that. Yeah. That's crazy. It's it's built weirdly. It's got this bizarre-looking tented roof structure, mm-hmm. which I don't understand how that's functional. Um, maybe it's not literally made of tent, but it literally looks like a tent. Mm-hmm. It was opened in 1995, and it took way longer to build than scheduled and it was way over budget and now how much over budget you ask it was it cost two billion more dollars to make than they thought it would oh my god now what were those two billion dollars used for we don't really know um i think okay they consider hartsfield jackson the the largest airport because it's the busiest airport in the world but i don't know if it's the largest largest square footage i think denver is the second largest square footage it's the it's the second largest, it, but the first largest is Dammam King Fahd International Airport, which I'm pretty sure is in... It's Saudi Arabia. No. Yeah, well, this one is the second largest in the world, but like, what's the purpose of it being the second largest in the world? I don't quite get it, because right. it's only the 20th busiest. 
Oh. So why do they need all that space? It's about twice the size of the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And it's over twice the size of the island of Manhattan. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's not even the busiest airport in our country. So why? Right. Why is it that large? Why is it that large? One of the construction workers who worked on the building of the airport claimed that the reason why it was so behind schedule was because they built five multi-story buildings underground underneath the airport. And there was also a vast network of tunnels. Now, we know there's some evidence of there being underground structures because there is like a shuttle you can take to get to the airport that runs underground. Mm -hmm. And they did try to build a brand new automated baggage claim system and they built that in an underground area and it didn't work at all. (laughs) Yeah. So they just like abandoned that project and it's still there underground and like that is public knowledge. Yeah. So we know they built some things underground. So it's not totally inconceivable that they they could have built more. Yeah, definitely. Some people think that the New World Order um, built a command center under there. Some people think it's a big fancy fallout shelter for the world's elite, like billionaires and politicians. Some people think it could be used as a prison. And some people even think um, that they have it ready to go as a concentration camp for after they take over, (gasps) which is scary. That's really scary. That's terrible. So there's some weird evidence that you can see at the airport that's like, why is that there? Mm -hmm. So the airport was dedicated on March 14th, 1994 with a capstone. And it's still on display in the airport. You can go see it. It's like right out in a public area. And on the capstone, there's a Masonic symbol, mm-hmm. like a, of the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And it says on it, like it credits the New World Airport Commission for supplying funding and materials. Oh. Now, the New World Airport Commission doesn't exist. <gasps> like you can Google it. It's not like it's not a thing. But there, like I read this one Vice article that kind of explained that. Yeah. It said that there were a couple of local small businesses that just donated some money to the airport. Yeah. And like because it was a collection of businesses, they were like, oh, let's just call ourselves the New World Airport Commission. But why? Right. Why pick that name? Yeah. Or they were like, call it whatever you want. And they picked that name, you know? That's creepy. Yeah. And also, I don't know. It's just such a fucking huge airport. Right like a couple small businesses donating like i can't believe that they yeah they made a dent yeah yeah again if they were two billion dollars over budget like oh and the the symbol has been explained as that's a symbol of a local charity which again i just don't picking that symbol yeah i just it's highly (laughs) sus to me there are a couple of symbols engraved on the floors and walls around the airport that some people have found curious but these are pretty easy to like explain what they are I guess like some of them are Navajo symbols and some of them are symbols for elements on the periodic table okay but what I want to do is I want to like get a like a schematic I want to lay out a, yeah. like, a map <laughs> of the airport and put where all the symbols are like I yeah. feel like that's got to be some sort of like code yeah yeah something like that also to have random symbols from the periodic table of elements around the airport yeah. that doesn't make any sense there was one that i saw that was like au and ag which they use gold right mm-hmm. ag is silver okay well what's that like why yeah why silver and gold i don't know what that all means so level five of the jepson terminal has a bunch of these really weird murals. Mm -hmm. And some believe that they depict apocalyptic events. One of them is this like big scary soldier guy who looks like a Nazi and he's heavily armed. He's got a giant sword, a giant gun. Yeah. And there's like scared people around him. And then at his feet, there's like a piece of paper that says, 
Hannes Hackenberg, 14 years old, dies September 18th, 1943, Auschwitz concentration camp. Oh. So what's that about? Like, there's... Who is that person? Like, is anybody look up who that person is? I don't... A 14-year-old boy who died in a concentration camp, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, but, like, but like why is, is there someone else? Yeah, why? I don't know. Well, our listeners can't see this, but, like, this is a... That's a really a grotesque. ...dead girl in a coffin. Yeah. Um, this building is on fire behind this group of people. And that might be, like, a snake or a leopard or something in front of them. But it's all these, like, weird, scary things happening around a group of people. Yeah. As they, like, gather. So what's up with those murals? We don't really know. And if you drive up to the airport... You drive past this giant statue that's a 32-foot-tall horse sculpture that is dark blue with glowing red eyes. Ah. And it is nicknamed Blucifer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, while the sculpture was being built, a piece fell off onto the artist, pinning him against a support beam, crushing an artery in his leg, and killing him. (gasps) Which is very graphic. I don't know if maybe I should just say he died. No, that's creepy. Yeah. So people say that Lucifer is a symbol of death and destruction and alludes to the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. Right. There's another thing which I'm not totally like, I don't think this is a thing, but if you look at the airport from the sky, Mm -hmm. if you get a bird's eye view of it, the runways are laid out in kind of like a like a little kind of a crooked t-shape so like there's runways going out in every direction but it doesn't totally line up right so people say that it looks like a swastika oh i think that's a bit of a stretch i don't think it looks exactly like that yeah and the airport has said the reason why it's laid out that way is because if you do it that way even though i don't think like i don't know of any other airport that does it that way they say that this way you can use multiple term multiple runways at once despite weather conditions like I think maybe other airports, like if there are certain weather patterns. Well, you can if it was only built runway. in 1994, that's pretty recent. Yeah, I don't know. They were just trying out a new technique for runway yeah, schematics. Yeah, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when JFK, LaGuardia, all of yeah. them were built and when they were last updated. But like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I don't think has gotten an update. It must. Co- it would cost so much money to redo the runways. Yeah. you know. And I know that it's older than 94. Yeah. So. It's probably just yeah. because. So I don't think there. I don't think it's a swastika, but some people are sure it yeah. is. But uh, that one, I'm kind of like, yeah. This one, conspiracy theorists think is really big evidence. It could just be a coincidence. Um, in 2011, there was a comet named Elenin, and it was passing the Earth, and there was a prediction that it was going to enter the Earth's atmosphere and tri- trigger a cataclysmic event. Oh. Now, on the day that was supposed to happen, Barack Obama was in Denver. <laughs> So uh, conspiracy theorists were like, oh, he's there to go in the shelter just in case the comet hits. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty eerie. <laughs> that is that is eerie, I have to admit. Airport officials say that rather than trying to deny all this stuff, they think it's just easier to like play along and have fun with it. The Fly Denver website really plays along and they list the conspiracy theories. <laughs> and the like CEO of the like company that runs it is just constantly like winking and being like, Oh yeah, we've got like bunkers, like wink wink. Like, <laughs> they think it's more fishy if they're like, No, it's not true. Like so right. they just have fun with it. But I don't know. I wonder if that's like them hiding in plain sight. Like, right. Eh. Um, some people think it's just Denver politicians having fun and trying to make something for tourists to come and see. I mean, this does make me want to come to Denver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. I want to go inspect the airport. <laughs> oh, it's just such an odd place. Like everything about it. I'm like, 
why did you do it like that? Yeah. What was all that? What did you use $2 billion to do? We also, though, like, the thing that's really getting me is that I don't know. All the airports that I've been to <laughs> in America, I feel like have been there a while, you mm-hmm. know? So they're smaller because when they were built, flying maybe wasn't as common yeah. or whatever. I don't know what year the Philadelphia airport was built, right? Yeah. But the Denver airport was only built 26 years ago, which mm-hmm. in relati- relatively speaking isn't that long ago mm-hmm. if they built it once flying had already become so popular. So maybe it's that our idea of what an airport should look like is based off of airports that were built in maybe the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And then we have this one airport built in the 90s. Like, I don't know. What's the newest airport in America? That's a uh, like question. newest com- like big commercial airport, not like. Well, I mean, it would airport. be hard. Like, if you shut down an airport to do construction, like you it, can't do that. Right. It's so busy, people need to be. Denver is the newest airport in America. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think it's also just hard to have a reference for like mm-hmm. what does a typical airport look like when maybe this airport was built much later. It also was probably much harder to build because their elevation is really high. Yeah. I'm sure that was part of it, too. It's so fun. Every time I cover conspiracy theories, I feel like it's either been one of two things. It's either been while I'm doing my research, I'm like, I can't believe any of this is true. Like, oh, my gosh, they've totally sold me on this. Like, I can't believe this. And then I read it out loud to you, and it's like, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) I mean, it would be. Or, like, with the cases like the Black Knight Satellite, I was just, like, typing down information. And then when I was reading it to you, I was like, oh, my goodness. It's real. It's real. (laughs) I don't know. Do I think a new world order is possible? Yes. Do I think it's possible that it's in the Denver airport? Absolutely. (laughs) But there are logistic things that could explain these. Yeah. All of them were like these things, but. The donation one's definitely the weirdest, in my opinion. The capstone. Yeah. I don't know. I have a picture. I want to see it. Yeah. It's very little, but you can see they're all online. It looks like that. And it says right below the date. The New World Order Airport. Oh, yeah, that is a Freemason symbol. That is really creepy. You're like, yeah, some local businesses made that their symbol. I'm like, yeah, but why is that the biggest thing on this giant airport? Right. Like, dedication stone. Right. If it's just, like, a symbol of a local charity. You'd think that would be, like, there, but not the main focal point. Right. You're right. And those murals are also creepy, and that horse. So many creepy things. Yeah. Like, Lucifer, like, every picture of him I look at, I'm like, <laughs> don't love that. <laughs> don't love that his name's Lucifer either. <laughs> Maybe he fell because he had an offensive name. Well, I don't even think he fell. I think just, like, when they were building it, like, a piece of him. Mm. He's terrifying. Oh, I've seen photos of him before, and I didn't know what it was. He is so scary. I he, don't like this at all. He's 35 feet tall, and you drive past him on the way to the airport. like Or, like, when you're going to... Drop your car off for parking. Like, that giant scary horse is there. Is it supposed to be because of the Broncos? I don't know. I don't know. Don't like that. We can't ask the artist. He's not around. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't love that. This is just the website called Everything You Wanted to Know About Lucifer, the Demon Horse of the Denver International Airport. Yeah. <laughs> he is a demon. Thank you for asking. The artwork's name is Mustang, but no one calls it that. Oh, so it's not even a Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Glowing red eyes. <laughs> yeah, Trends. he's creepy. I don't like him. He's the protector of travelers guarding this airport. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> it's terrifying. If he got up and moved around in the middle of the night, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs>
It's okay. He lives in Denver. We're here. I'm reading what it did to the sculptor. The sculpture did kill its creator. That part is true. But is it cursed? <laughs> Rest in peace, Luis Jimenez. He's the artist. Oh. Um, it was installed in 2015. I mean, 2008. 15 years after it was commissioned. Oh. Oh, I forgot about one creepy thing. Oh. Ooh. In 1996, the airport buried a time capsule. <gasps> and they're going to open it in 2096. <gasps> What's in that time capsule? No one knows. Oh, that's creepy. Well, I'm sure I mean, some somebody people has knows, to know. Somebody put the stuff in it. <laughs> that's creepy. But we won't know. That is very creepy. Time capsules, creepy. I mean, they can be cute when you're burying them, but like if someone unearths them 100 years later, it's like, eh. Right, it's like, what did this mean? What were you trying to tell us? Maybe in 2096, that's when the New World Order is going to take over. Well, maybe we'll be long gone. <laughs> so We'll be 90... No, we'll be 101. 101. I could be gone by then. <laughs> I'll miss it. My kid's problem. <laughs> you know. In our will, we like leave them a note being like, you must find out what's in the time capsule. <laughs> At the Denver, the Denver airport. airport. Please, I'm begging you. Oh my God. That would be funny. It is your mission. So that's everything. I don't know what it all means. Um, that was. It's just some bizarre stuff. I, You know, I love bizarre stuff. That was, and that was bizarre. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. Mm -hmm. So for the middle segment today, I decided that we would have some fun. Um, Love fun. So on Facebook this week, you obsessed over this like math problem. It was like a picture problem. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it, but it was out there. And there was like, it was like a bunch of pictures and like they were represented equations and they were kind of hidden stuff in the pictures. So you would mess up and get the wrong answer. And yeah. it took a while, but we got the right answer. So I thought today that we would continue some of that fun and do some little brain teasers. Oh, okay. Am I going to need a pen and paper? You might. There's only one that I think you're going to need. You're going to need a pen and paper for. I got a pen and paper. Okay. Brain teasers. Here we go. You don't need a, you, there's no equations for the first few. Okay. There are five sisters in a room. Jane is drawing, Amy is reading, Helen is playing chess, and Mary is cooking. What is the fifth sister doing? Five sisters in a room. Jane is drawing, Amy is reading, Helen is playing chess, Mary is cooking. This is not a math problem. Oh, oh, oh. The fifth sister is playing chess with the other one. You yeah, chess by yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing chess with Helen. Very yeah. good. A man owns two shoe factories. He faces a problem. The workers steal shoes. He solved the problem without increasing security and without firing anybody. How? Hmm. A shoe factory. People were stealing. Two, two shoe, shoe fa- factories. Oh, did he have one shoe factory make all of the left shoes and one shoe factory make all the right ones? You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Good job. The professor asked a student how many kidneys she has. She said four, and she was right. Why? Was she pregnant? She was pregnant, yes. (laughs) A man pushes his car to a hotel and tells its owner that he is bankrupt. Why? Man pushes his car to a hotel. And tells its owner. And tells the owner that he he is is bankrupt. bankrupt. He didn't have enough money for gas? No. Um... (laughs) Why does he tell the owner? He couldn't of get the a hotel? valet. No. Why does he tell the owner of the hotel that he's bankrupt? Why would the owner? Oh, care? the owner is bankrupt. No, he tell no the man with the car is bankrupt. <laughs> but why is he telling the owner that he's bankrupt? Why would the owner of the hotel care that this man is bankrupt? Is he trying to check in? 
No. The owner, not just the concierge. Is it the owner's father? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to give you a a couple more guesses. Um, One more minute. A man pushes his car to a hotel and tells its owner that he is bankrupt. (gasps) Tells the car. It's the car's owner, not the hotel's owner. The car's owner is bankrupt. Yes. Yeah. The man who owns the car is bankrupt. He's telling the owner of the hotel that he is bankrupt. Oh. Why does that matter? Why would the owner, the owner care? The, okay, um, Why would the owner care? Was he going to buy the hotel? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the answer. He was playing Monopoly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was thinking it's in real life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You are a cyclist in a cross-country race. Just before crossing the finish line, you overtake the person in second place. In what place did you finish? Say it all again. You overtake the person in second You're a cyclist place. in a cross-country race. Just before crossing the finish line, you overtake the person in second place. In which place, in which place did you finish? Second. Yes. <laughs> okay. I left my campsite and hiked south for three miles. Then I turned east and hiked for three miles. I then turned north and hiked for three miles, at which time I came upon a bear inside my tent eating my food. What color was the bear? Get your pen and paper out. I want you to draw something. Okay. I hiked for three miles south. I turned east and hiked for three miles. Then I turned and hiked north for three miles. And I got back to my campsite. Was this campsite really large? No. Uh, this is a hard one. What color? Was I'll it? give you a hint. Yeah. You have to figure out where the campsite is to know, like, where in the world the campsite is to know what color the bear is. I don't know what color bears are indigenous to what no, region. No, trust me. If you figure out where in the world the campsite is, you will know what color the bear is. <laughs> My God. Okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to think if he... No. Was it like directly south and directly east and directly north? Mm-hmm. Dang it. I was like, maybe it's a triangle. But no, that would be like north. That would be like southeast and... There is a place in the world where it is possible to hike south, east, north, and be back in the same place. There's only one place in the, the world. South Pole? It was it a polar Close. bear that was white? Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. The only place you can hike three miles south and east for three miles and north for three miles and end up back at your starting point is the, the North, north pole. pole. There are only polar bears in the North Pole, and they are white. I thought the North Pole wasn't like a physical place you could stand. I thought like it was no, you can. Ocean. It's it's not a country, but it's frozen. Like the, oh, okay. it's always frozen. You know, mm. so you can I it was stand water. there. No, we have like video footage of it because you can physically stand mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. It's all frozen. The water. Mm-hmm. There's no water. <laughs> <laughs> it's all under the ice. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A man is looking at a photograph of someone. His friend asks who it is. The man replies, brothers brothers and sisters, I have none, but that man's father is my father's son. Who was in the photograph? Man's father. His brother? Um, No. (laughs) That half-brother? No. That man's father. That man in the photo. That man in the father. His father. 
His father's son. Is my father's son. That man's Is father. it his uncle? No. <laughs> <laughs> I also somehow got to uncle. <laughs> no. That man's father. That man's father. <laughs> my father's son. Is it a mirror? No. He's looking at a portrait. He's looking at a picture of a person. Picture of a person. That man's father is my father's son. My son. Um, is it a dog? No. No. Um, that man's father, when he was younger. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you do this like a math problem. Okay. <laughs> do that man's father... No, 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 no. I want you to write it like an equation. I want you to write that man's father plus my father's son. What? I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Take out the common multiple, which is my father. Or which is father. Take out father. That man's my son? Yes. (laughs) How though? That's his son. Kevin's father is my father's son. Uh, Got it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I should have gotten that earlier. It's okay. This is the last one. This is is the one that you might have to write an equation. Okay. A man is the owner of a winery who recently passed away. In his will, he left 21 barrels to his three sons. Seven of the barrels are full. Seven of them are half full. And seven of them are empty. The wine and barrels must be split so that each son has the same number of full barrels, the same number of half full barrels, and the same number of empty barrels. Mm. There are no measuring devices handy. How can the barrels and the wine be evenly divided? What if... Okay, they take, they take all the full barrels mm-hmm. and they take all the empty barrels and they... Like, line them up next to the, um, like, they make a row of all the barrels. And they use the half full barrels as, like, a measurement. And they take the full barrels. And they take, and for every, they pair a full barrel with an empty barrel. And they pour half of it into each of the empty barrels. So every barrel is half full. And then they give each son seven half full barrels. That is an option, but there are no measuring devices handy. There's no but they way just to pour. No, it has to be milliliter specifically. Uh, um, they can't eyeball it. Let's see. There's. They all need to get seven barrels, and it needs to be evenly distributed. They they all have the same number of full, same number of half full, same number of empty. Hold on. All right. How many barrels of full... How many full barrels would they need for all of them to get the same number of full barrels? Well, if there's seven full barrels and there's seven half full barrels, then there's ten and a half barrels of wine. Mm-hmm. So each But how, son, what do they need to do for all of them to get the same... Just focus on full. What do they need to do to everyone get the same number of full barrels? How many full barrels would they They each need? get two. Right now. But could they also, is there a way for them to get more full barrels each? If they combine the half barrels? Yes. <laughs> and how many times would they have to do that? <laughs> what do they have to do to get nine full barrels? 
Uh, okay, okay. If I'm a son and I get seven, oh my god, oh my god. No. Right, right. Okay. Um. Okay. If I get. Just like once, I don't know. Um, cause I get two full barrels, and then there's another a whole other full barrel, and then I get. I get two half barrels, and then there's You're still this too complicated. <laughs> there's set. It's so simple. You're making this so complicated. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um. <laughs> Do you want me to just tell you? Just tell me. You take two half full barrels and you dump them into one of the empty barrels. Then you do it again. So you've used four half full barrels to create two more full barrels. That means you have nine full barrels and each son gets three full barrels, one um, half full barrel, and three empty barrels. Um, okay. Do you get it? Yeah, I don't like it though. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Well, that was the last one. So. <laughs> and on a rotten note. <laughs> Hope you had fun. I, I did. That last one made me feel dumb, but. <laughs> no, you're very good at math. So now that we've done some some riddle challenges, are you ready to learn about the Mona Lisa being <gasps> Yes. All right. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Although the Mona Lisa was painted by famed artist Leonardo da Vinci, the painting didn't gain significant notoriety until almost 400 years after his death. The Mona Lisa is not famous for her smile or lack of eyebrows, but because on August 21st, 1911, she was stolen from the Louvre in Paris. Mm-hmm. French painter Louis Barreau had come into the Louvre on the following day, my birthday, August 22nd, <gasps> yes, and noticed the painting was missing. He brought this to the attention of the guards, but they assumed it was being photographed because at the time there was a campaign in the Louvre to get every painting photographed. Mm-hmm. And it had to be taken to the roof of the Louvre where there was natural light. Uh-huh. So they assumed it was gone for photographing. Um, so Louis left and returned a few hours later and noted that it was still missing. And he reported it to, like, museum officials, not mm-hmm. just security guards. And he was correct in that it had been stolen. And following that, the Louvre set, shut down for a week. At that point, 26 hours had passed since the Mona Lisa had been stolen. Its theft was an immediate media sensation, like not even just in France or mm-hmm. Europe, but literally all over the world. People people were baffled by how this happened, including the police. Some thought it was stolen by the enemies of quote-unquote traditional art. This is the time that avant-garde mm-hmm. was becoming really popular. Um, avant-garde poet and playwright Guillaume Apollinaire was arrested and questioned for a week in September of 1911 because of his association with art thief Jerry Piret and several public statements that the Louvre should be burned down. <gasps> yeah. Pablo Picasso was also considered a suspect because he had unknowingly once purchased stolen Iberian stone heads from Puree at the suggestion of Apollinaire, um, but the two were later cleared of all charges. No. Oh. But it is interesting that Picasso was mixed yeah. up in all this. Georges Benedict, curator of the Louvre at the time, told the police that only a practical joker would steal such a notable painting because it would be nearly impossible to fence. The police assumed the thief would demand a ransom within two days, but none arrived. There were even some who believed the Kaiser of Germany was responsible as tension had heated between the countries ahead of World War One. 
So, like, because it was painted by Leonardo da Vinci, it did have some significance, and people would definitely, people within the art world would absolutely be able to recognize it, Mm -hmm. but it had nowhere near the notoriety that it had before it was stolen. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it was stolen, it became the most famous painting in the world, and it's still the most famous painting in the world. How did he take it? Did he just grab it and walk out with it? I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. It took two years, well over, actually two and a half almost, to catch the thief. Vincenzo Perugia. Um, Perugia was a former employee of the Louvre who made a protective glass cases for many of the Louvre's works, including the Mona Lisa. So he's the one that fashioned the mm-hmm. thing it lived in. At 7 a.m. on August 21st, 1911, Vincenzo Perugia entered the Louvre like any other worker in a workman's smock. It was a Monday, the day that the Louvre is always closed for routine maintenance. Mm-hmm. He stripped the painting from its frame and case, wrapped the painting in his smock, and tried to leave. To his surprise, he found that the gallery door was locked. He removed the doorknob but still couldn't escape. Luckily for him, a plumber came by and, assuming he was just another worker, opened the door with a key for him. Uh. That plumber later reported remembering seeing someone trying to leave and not being able to. But he didn't know. Perugia was witnessed by shop clerk Andre Bouquet throwing the doorknob in a ditch. That doorknob... Um, was later discovered during the investigation with one thumbprint, but the police inspector Alphonse Bertillon had 750,000 prints on file, which was too many to check. Um, He did fingerprint every Louvre employee, but at that point, Perugia was no longer working there. Mm. Perugia then hid the painting in his apartment, first on his table under a cloth, then in a trunk with a false bottom for two years. (gasps) In Paris. Ironically... The police interviewed Perugia in his apartment, but they believed his alibi that he'd been working in a different location on the day of the theft. Meanwhile, the Mona Lisa, like, sat in a trunk while they interviewed him. It was right there. In December of 1913, Perugia wrote to Alfredo Gary, um, an antique dealer who advertised in several Italian newspapers, telling him he had the Mona Lisa, and he signed the letter V. Leonard. Mmm. Gary contacted Giovanni Poggi, the director of the Uffizi Gallery in Florence at the time, and set up a meeting with Perugia in Milan for authentication. Perugia brought the painting with him, and Poggi identified the stamp on the back, recognizing it as the real thing. He convinced Perugia to leave it with him for, quote-unquote, safekeeping. 30 minutes after he returned to his apartment, the Italian police arrived, and he was arrested and tried in Italy. Which is important because during his trial, mm-hmm. Perugia appeared what they call Fiore come un balcone, which is literally translates to outside like a balcony, but that phrase means unhinged, <laughs> which I think is just a really fun phrase. He interrupted the judge and prosecutors and would argue with his lawyer. He implicated his friends Vincenzo and Michel Lancelotti, but both were proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Although some, it's interesting because I was originally reading an NPR article about this and they did a podcast episode on it. And then someone commented and they were like, true to NPR, you got a lot of these facts incorrect. And then I was like cross-referencing it with a bunch of other articles. I got mm-hmm. a lot of stuff from CNN and Washington Post because they did a lot of articles around the 100-year anniversary of this. Yeah. Um, they were more factually accurate. There are parts that, like, they say that he spent the night in an art supply cabinet, but that really didn't happen. Like, he mm. wouldn't have had to because he did work there at one point and he could easily disguise himself. And also the security is not what it was Yeah, today. I'm sure. At one point they say that there were 200 guards to guard over 400 galleries. Yeah. So, like, it would have been easy for him to sneak in. But they, like, really... And they said that, like, he had... He, like... 
hid it in this trunk for the whole time or really and like that it was like planned for a really long time he like didn't plan at all he hid it on his table because the trunk wasn't even built when he stole it mm. he had to build the trunk later um some say he like escaped paris um some say that these people were his accomplices mm-hmm. but there's no he definitely acted alone so there's a lot of like flowery details that were added um but i'm pretty sure what i got was like what really happened yeah but some people add this like fantastical element to it to make it seem more exciting and mysterious and also make the louvre look a little better that like he was this criminal mastermind you know (laughs) when really he was like kind of just a normal guy yeah who like wanted a lot of money but during the trial, he claimed that he stole the Mona Lisa to return it to its homeland, Italy, after it was stolen by Napoleon during his Italian art raids. Mm-hmm. Now, Napoleon did steal many notable works from Italy, both large and small, that have caused tension between the two countries for decades. Yeah. Um, and continues to sometimes create tension. But that's all over the world in the art world. There's a lot of sure between, like especially between European countries and African and Asian countries mm-hmm. from like what was looted and all that. There's a lot of drama and rightly so with the looting of places. Yeah. Like the Rosetta Stone is in the British Museum, but they stole it from Alexandria. Yeah. Like, you know, it's this whole thing. So Have you seen that um stand up set by James A. Castor about that? It's really funny. No, I haven't. It's oh. basically just like if you knew for a fact that someone had stolen something from you you knew for a fact they did it. It's well documented in history. And they have a museum all about it. Right. Right. Well, like, so when I was in Paris two summers ago, the class that I was taking was about, um, like, the presence of African-American art in Paris. Mm-hmm. And there are so there are museums dedicated to the things they stole yeah. from when they colonized Africa. And it's, like, mm-hmm. terrible. It's, yeah. like, it's really awful. And it's really, it's really heartbreaking. So this was a similar thing. That this guy was like, well, Napoleon yeah. stole it from us. And Napoleon did steal a lot from Italy. Yeah. However, the Mona Lisa was bought by Francis I mm. from Leonardo da Vinci himself when he was invited to France in 1516, three years before his death in 1519. Okay. So it had been in France for almost 400 years. Yeah. And it was like legally owned by, yeah. I guess, the French monarchy. And then they donated it because the Louvre used to be a palace. And then yeah. they donated it when it became an army museum. I don't know exactly how the Louvre came in possession of it. But it did belong yeah. to France legally. During the French Revolution, it was briefly placed in Napoleon's bedchamber. It was like mm-hmm. just a painting in there until he was deposed. And then it was returned to the museum. Mm. Vincenzo's, however, professed patriotism, moved the Italian jury to give him a lenient sentence. Because they were like, they did it for the pride of Italy. You know, he's trying to protect us from those, like, stealing French people. Um, and his sentence was only one year and 15 days which was more than one year shy of how long he even had the painting. And he only served seven months. Yeah. And he went on to fight for Italy in World War I, and then he returned to France and died there in 1925. Okay. After its discovery, the Mona Lisa did briefly tour Italy, and then it was returned to France. By the time it returned to the Louvre, it was unquestionably the most famous painting in the world. Have you seen the Mona Lisa? Yes. Okay, so first of all, it's, like, super underwhelming. It's so tiny. And also... <laughs> you like, can't even get close to you it, can't though. Get, and you, you can't get within six feet of it. It's nuts. There's so many people It's two things of bulletproof glass over it. Like, it, like, slinks away into uh, a wall yeah. at night. Like, it's nuts. It's so well protected. Although the Mona Lisa had already been notable as a work of da Vinci's at the time it was stolen, it was not even considered the most famous painting in its gallery at the time of the theft. Ooh, what was? 
I don't know. <laughs> Art historians agree that had another painting painting been stolen that day, it would have had the notoriety that the Mona Lisa enjoys now. So it didn't matter yeah. what painting it was. It didn't matter what it looked like. It was the fact that it was taken from the yeah. Louvre and gone for two years with 60 police investigators searching for it that made it famous. Mm. But I have some extra fun facts. <gasps> yeah. So Napoleon, like I said, stole a lot. In 1797, he signed the Treaty of Tolentino, whereby papal states were not to be subjugated, but the Vatican, along with Rome, Florence, Venice, Bologna, and Naples, were to give up their great wealth of art in exchange for, like, keeping their own sovereignty. Um, And that included the horses of St. Mark's Basilica in Venice, which were a big deal. The Medici Venus from Florence, Mm -hmm. the the Vatican's Apollo Velvedere, and the great painting of Transfiguration by Raphael, as well as a painting called The Wedding at Cana by Paolo Veronese. Mm -hmm. Which just means... Paolo of Verona. <laughs> they all have these like fancy names, and I'm like, it just means they're from Verona. <laughs> um, following the Battle of Waterloo, most of the what? works were returned to Italy, except for the wedding at Cana. The wedding at Cana is massive. It's a huge painting, like literally taller than the ceilings in this room, wider than this wall. Um, and France claimed it was too large to return effectively to Italy. Today, it is the largest piece in the Louvre's collection, and it sits across from, you guessed it, the Mona, Mona Lisa. Lisa. Isn't that crazy? Mm. I was like, whoa, full circle. <laughs> that this guy was like, Napoleon stole it. And they were like, yeah. he didn't steal this one. And they placed it across from a painting that he like truly did steal. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And it's like crazy. I read... Um, I remember being in college and reading about the wedding at Cana because most people ignore it when you go to the Louvre because you're looking at the Mona Lisa, yeah. but then you turn around and it's this like truly massive painting. Yeah. It's so large and it's beautiful. It's like gorgeous, bright colors to it, lots of movement, lots of like it really is a beautiful painting and it's so widely ignored. Yeah. But it's like still controversial that France has it. And it takes across from a Da Vinci painting. I know I, I must have walked past it. I mean, you can't. It's literally the size of the wall. Yeah. Jeez. I know. Art theft. So interesting. (laughs) My favorite subject. Um, But that's everything about the the theft of the Mona Lisa. So exciting. I think that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us through Anchor directly through the link in our episode's bio, or consider leaving us a five star review on iTunes. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com, and we would love to put it on the show. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? I'm a little worried that this topic's going to freak you out. I'm not asking you this to freak you out or make you feel nervous. Okay? But I want to know how facial recognition works. Uh, Okay. Okay, I'll do that. (laughs) Okay. So you're going to be all right? I don't want you to come out of this being like, the government's watching. You're going to be your own conspiracy theorist by the end of this. But it's because I, I want mean, to know. Are, I think, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's important to know exactly how they're watching us. What are yeah. the qualities of observance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get, like, flagged by the government with my search history or something. <laughs> well, then they'll just come to my house, so <laughs> we're all going to go down for it. So that's fine. Great. 
Uh, can't wait to go to prison together. Uh, won't be much different than this. Other than here we have activities <laughs> and we could get space. we could get a hold of puzzles. Um, in <laughs> prison. Um. Okay, Sarah. Yeah. Do you know what I've been wondering? What? You could talk about something that's like the opposite of this. Like we are trapped inside. You could talk about something that's an adventure. Ooh, an adventure. We <laughs> can talk about what it's like to climb Mount Everest. Oh. I hear it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. This is something I actually know something about already. Oh. I'm excited. It's it's really crazy. I won't spoil, but wow. Like something I, I would week. never do. Free solo really solidified mm-hmm. for me that mountain climbing is something I will never do. Free, free solo free infuriates me. Free or otherwise. I will yeah. never do it. I mean, everybody should watch free solo. It's an incredible story. But like... Never. Is it? Does he have to do it? No, but he does. No, he does not. He doesn't have to do it, but he does it anyway, you know? <sighs> anyway, that's everything. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.